When was the last time you sat down by yourself with a piece of paper and pen, an iPad or a phone all by yourself just for a few minutes and figured out what you want out of the second half of life? How would you envision your life going forward? What are the, some of the stories that you would want to create for the future that perhaps change your life? Our guest expert is talking about why fully investing in what you want is the only way to really get it, whatever it is, with specific action-oriented ideas and tools to do it successfully. Listen in today because you will get hands-on action steps that you can start today to change the narrative and create your own story. But before we dive in, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast. I would love it and many more people will find the show. So let's dive into today's expert interview. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower women over 50 to take back their health and strength to lead a vibrant life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of women over 50 around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies, and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and sustainable, so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring women who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best life, so that you know not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I am joined today by Dr. Sharon Offberg, a radio host, writer, business coach, traveler, foodie, and the co-founder of Borrowed Wisdom a personal growth and wellness company. As a woman and mother, Sharon passionately committed to activism and advocacy for global women's health and safety, environmental health, and the empowerment of the whole person. Sharon is a New York transplant. She now lives in Hermosa Beach, California, has a daily yoga practice, and prides herself on being an awesome cook and a wine connoisseur. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh my goodness. The last time we talked, and I know you wrote a blog about it because I checked on it, you went fly fishing. And oh my God, it was, it was amazing. Tell us just a little bit about fly fishing because when we talked, I was like, you said, Heike, have you done fly fishing? And I'm like, Fly fishing? Tell me I never had yeah, I never had done fly fishing either. And I I, you know, I'm really very, very passionate about trying new things and being creative and I love nature. And I always used to see, you know, this idea of these people wading in beautiful rivers, you know, casting this, you know, right, this this 
the line and fish, you know, anyway, I just thought it sounded really fun. And there was um, a resort in Colorado that was focusing on women's fly fishing weekends. So I, you know, invited a girlfriend and off we went and we had a guide who showed us exactly how to cast the line. And, you know, fly fishing is all about sustainability and, you know, keeping the environment. All the fish are thrown back like you they're not, you know, the hooks don't have those things that hurt the fish. So like you actually lovingly catch the fish and then put it back. And so it, it doesn't feel like hunting. It just feels like kind of a challenging exercise, whether you can, you know, master the art of actually catching the fish. And anyway, it's beautiful nature. It was so much fun. And I, I recommend it to all the women and all my friends. I, you know, it's not, you don't have to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. You know what I mean? It's, but you're still out in a beautiful environment and it is an active activity you know you're still standing and you're casting and you're walking and you're standing in moving water and but it's um it was really it was really fun and i do think learning a new brain activity is really healthy absolutely i agree totally agree and i could just picture you just casting out the fish and that's, i'm thinking my thinking is probably inspired by a movie where the they're just standing in the water and they're doing this and they keep doing this. And I was like, oh, Sharon is doing this. <laughs> what they didn't show is when the, you know, you cast the line and it gets hooked on the tree behind you and then under in the water on a rock. I mean, you know, it's all the lovely picture, isn't it? All that, but it's, it was just, you know, it was just a beautiful, fun, new thing to do. Trying new things. That's what life's all about for me. I love it. Now, I introduced a little bit about you, but I want to hear in your own words a little bit more about you because there's a lot of things that you're passionate about that you have done that I have not shared, but I would love it if you, wherever you want to start, bring us to where we are now. Okay. That's, that's, you know, we don't have so much time and I've had a lot of, you know, reimaginations of myself, um, which I love, uh, but I would say this, you know, as a little girl, um, I always wanted to be a chiropractor. My father was a chiropractor. He was in healthcare. He was my hero. And I always wanted to emulate this idea. He was a wonderful healer and his patients loved him. And so from the time I was a little girl, I had a lot of focus on being a doctor, being in healthcare, you know, very quickly sped up my whole trajectory. So by the time I was in college, I was quickly, you know, getting all my, you know, my all my credits for my bs in biology and i got into graduate school so by the time i was in my early 20s i was a chiropractor um and i met my first husband in chiropractic college so my life went like very fast like i was very quickly you know in my early 20s married had a chiropractic practice started having kids you know so i really had this good fortune of having a goal early on, knowing my purpose, so to speak, very early on, being very excited by it and moving very quickly towards it. That is not the trajectory of most people. I understand that. So, but for those of us that do that, what we find is that's great for like 20 years. And then you're in your forties and you're like, okay, what's next? Right? which is what happened to me. You know, I'd been married for 20 years. That relationship was becoming more difficult. My kids were grown up and I had had this long profession already, but I was still a woman in my mid forties now looking to see what else there was in the world. 
Um, and not being afraid of change, not being afraid to kind of shift gears, which is all part of this being able to do new things. You got to kind of step into some unknown. I picked myself up and moved from Northern California from a very, quite a cushy life to New York City, where I didn't have a job and I didn't have a place to live and I did have some friends um, and kind of started all over again. Now, having said that, I did have a career. You know, I was able to land a good position in New York City as a, as a chiropractor, uh, but I really went from, you know, big house, cars, you know, big practice to staying on a friend's couch, you know, like in my mid forties, I mean, it was a big, so when people say, you know, oh, well, you know, life was easy. It, I had a very, very scary part of chapter of my life where I gave up all of my creature comforts to experience something new and something different. And, you know, I always say, you know, I stepped into my mid forties, um, being a single woman in New York City, have never lived in New York City before, but with this enormous sense of possibility. What's what next? The, what, what was the catalyst that, that made you decide to take that big step, Sharon? So, I mean, I was think there, there was, yeah, I mean, I think there was a couple of things. One, I had been very involved in philanthropic activities that brought me to New York a lot. So I did have a lot of friends in New York. I had a lot of people in New York that were supportive of my newborn self, you know? And so it wasn't like I was going to Timbuktu where I didn't know anyone. I did have friends and I was very involved in these women's groups that were very supportive and were very, made me feel like part of something. Um, I think the other thing was that um, the trajectory of this life, one life to live, you know, my, my parents had died when I was young. I was in my 20s when both my parents died separately. And so I didn't ever feel like I had a lot of time to waste. And I think that recognition of the fragility of life and not knowing. Now I'm about to have outlived both my parents now. So, you know, like, you know, you never know, right? But at the time, right, but at the time I really didn't feel like I had any time to waste and that it was important for me to live fully and not to wait. Um, and so I think that was the subconscious, the subtext to a lot of what drove me to do things that may have seemed kind of risky or irresponsible or, you know, not as safe as maybe one would have. And it all worked out fine. I fell in love in New York. You know, I ended up remarrying. I had, got, I had a fabulous job in New York City. I went on to chair amazing women's nonprofit. I mean, life continued. Um, but even that wasn't enough, to be quite honest. You know, here I was like a new chapter, new life. And then I was about to turn 50. And I was like, well, what's next? Like, what else? And so, you know, my new husband, and I, we picked up, left New York, left our jobs and drove cross country for six months and lived in Paris for six months. Like we did a lot of risky, interesting things to figure out what our next steps were. So, um, yeah, I mean, so that's where, kind of it. Yeah. Where were your kids in all of this? You have three kids, right? Right. So by the time I was living in New York full time, all my kids were in college or in graduate school. Like they all had grown up. And actually, like that first year I moved to New York, I still had one in high school that I was going back and forth, you know, to be with. So, so 
my kids were always a very high priority for me in my life story. Um, and as they got older and more independent, uh, it was easier for me to make some of those decisions. So in that way, having them very young ended up being a very positive thing for my, you know, for the second chapter of my what, life. What, you know? what did they think when they said, okay, mom's like packing it up and mm -hmm. off she goes. What did they think about that? Um, I think everybody was a little nervous, honestly, at first, like, because I they didn't, because it wasn't that they knew what I was exactly doing. I think that I um, have always been, like, very solid. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a very solid person. I have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of success under my belt. So I think people felt pretty confident that I would land on my feet in anything I was doing. And we have a very, very close family. So the kids always were close. We always made decisions that everybody knew and understood. Um, and I thought I was a real role model for people, not just my children, but to everyone to live their life to their fullest. You know, and that was really a, a model I wanted to be. I wanted to be the kind of mom that said, go to Europe, take time off, you know, explore the world. Don't be in a hurry. You know, really wanted to give my kids that image that anything's possible. That's always been my model. Anything's I was going to say, is this where anything's possible started or was it always there? I think it was kind of always there. I grew up with a family, a very supportive family that pretty much always made me feel that whatever you set your mind to could be achieved. So I think part of it was the luck of having wonderful parents that um, I always say, the image, they were kind of like the gas station, you know, I just drove up and pumped up full of positive stuff and off I went, you know, um, and so that I wanted to be that for my own children as well. So then you spent time in Paris, you did all these fun things for yeah. six months on the road, and then you ended up in California. Right. Then I came back to Napa Valley, California. My kids now had all kind of finished school or were finishing school, all had went back to Northern California. That's what happens when you raise your kids in California. They all come back to California. Um, and, and so I was ready to be a little closer um, to them. And my eldest daughter had finished law school, but really didn't want to practice law. Um, and I was, you know, here had been practicing chiropractic for most of my adult life, beside that short time I had taken off. Um, and really didn't want to start a big practice again in California. So we decided to create something that we could do together, which was Borrowed Wisdom, which was this personal growth company that was really about helping people get a life they love. Um, and it had a bunch of different derivations. First, it was an all, uh, live events company, and but it ended up being um, really a place where people could get coaching and could get um, tools and techniques for living your best life and tapping into your own inner wisdom and getting rid of your limiting beliefs. And it just became this beautiful place for my daughter and I to be able to work together, um, to work from home and to create something that we really both believed in. Yeah. How did you come up with a name, Borrowed Wisdom? I don't know. I think we really felt strongly that we weren't creating something brand new. I think it felt very much like we were the we were the beneficiaries of ancient wisdom and new neuroscience and 
you know, coaching and help and wisdom from all kinds of personal transformational leaders. And we were just sharing their genius. You know, we weren't making anything up new. And so it felt like that just felt like the expression of some of our core beliefs that we were sharing the best of what we learned and giving it as freely as we could to others. And that really, it just made, it just felt right to us. I love that. It's, it really makes sense when you explain like this, because it's nothing new. You didn't reinvent the wheel, but it's sharing that knowledge that you have. I love that. Now, you're the third guest on the show that started a business with their daughter. Hmm. And I'm always curious, how does it work out for the both of you? So, you know, my daughter and I, we have very different personalities. We look very similar. So sometimes people think that we're alike, but we really weren't. And we naturally, over the course of working together, we naturally gravitated toward different parts of the, of the business. And I would say, based on kind of where she was in her life and where I was in my life, we ended up really kind of almost dividing where our expertise was. Hers ended up really being in relationship coaching and finding love and figuring out what you're, you know, how to be the best partner. And mine was all about, you know, business, you know, the how to help someone launch or grow a new business, how to help someone pivot from, you know, a corporate job to an independent business. And it just, it naturally happens, which I think if you kind of get in the flow of your work, you gravitate and you move and you pivot into places that you are attracted to. And that's really what happened with, with borrowed wisdom that we ended up really having very, very different parts of the business that that's still the same today, you know? Yeah. Cause the, the last guest I had, that was there about um, sustainable clothing and, and they create their own clothing line and oh, nice. how, how the two of them actually complement, just like the two of you complement each other in the jobs they do and it sounds like you guys do that as well and it's such a, a, a nice way to work together you're not stepping on each other's toes or territory but you can grow together in that sense that you support each other's ideas and then grow like your company yeah the borrowed wisdom from different angles yeah it's very interesting because at one point we were interviewed on a radio show and this a kind of epiphany came out that we weren't even expecting where the person interviewing us started asking us about the dynamic of working as a mother-daughter team. And it came out that like I felt this huge burden almost of making sure the business succeeded because she was my daughter and it was her first like business. And, and so I had this pressure of making sure it succeeded. And she had the pressure of not disappointing me, like being a good, you know, being a good partner. And it was really eye-opening when we kind of said it. We didn't, it wasn't planned. We didn't even know it. But it was very cathartic to kind of recognize that you can't get away from being someone's mother or being someone's daughter. That dynamic is stuck there. And it can be tricky, especially, you know, because we're both very bossy. <laughs> so, so it can be a little tricky sometimes how that works. And unless you really clearly, you know, divide your responsibilities, you know, and it was so it's an, inter it's an interesting, it's interesting, it, you know, we hardly work at all together anymore, really. 
the business is both of ours, but we hardly ever because our our orientations are completely different. It's such an enlightening moment when you realize what's lurking behind in your emotions and you didn't even know it. Like like you said, uh, as a mom, you'll always be a mom. You want to make sure you, you, you help grow this. And of course, you can lead this. You grace them. So this is the same pressure that we're putting ourselves under. Right. Yeah. Now, Sharon, what are some of your core values or core beliefs that you live by that, um, yeah, that you live by? Oh, I'm so glad you're asking that because I believe that until people really understand some of the core beliefs that they're working with, it's hard to successfully brand yourself or it's hard to successfully choose what's right for you because when you're pursuing your spark, as you say, which I love the name of your company, it's so important that all of the decisions come from those core beliefs. So I'll give you, I'll give you a good one um, and one that's really on the top of my list. So one of my core beliefs is that when you give freely to others, it, the universe answers back with a lot of abundance, back. not direct one-to-one, but that there is this boomerang effect of generosity and sense of abundance that really is a has a lot of reciprocity in the way the world works um, and I have always believed that and it has served me very well and it's almost like when you have such a strong core belief and you act in that way there's a lot of confirmation bias that goes on where you do a lot of things that convince yourself that to be true so you know, giving information freely, sharing my, you know, wisdom, you know, going and you know, speaking for free, offering advice, like whatever those things are that I can do that are, that serves to fulfill what I believe is a generous spirit. I always, that's a very high priority for me. Um, and it, it's one of the things that I think is, has served me in, 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 in all the different aspects of my life story you know we didn't even talk about the right that my the work I do for women or my travel writing I do a whole bunch. I've reimagined myself a number of times you know over and over again and part of those things is that starting from that place of generosity you know what can I do for what can I do for the world what can I do for women how can I help support another woman who's doing something good how can I make a difference um, that's fundamentally been a, a core driving motivation i think this is such a healthy and good place to come from in our world today where everybody is about me 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 and oh i can't i'm not giving you my secret because you have to definitely pay me for my secret and yes we all need to make a living we all have companies we all want to be paid for our knowledge but there's there's a line that i, I agree with you that needs to be drawn where we say you know what I can give. There is so much more that I can give. And if you want more, yes, please pay me for that or, you know, take my course or whatever it is. But until then, here it is. It's for oh, you yeah. to take and grow. And like you said, it will come back tenfold. Definitely. But these days, Definitely. it's all about, no, 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 I'm not going to show you this. And here's my little little course and no, 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 I'm not going to tell you about this or whatever it is that yeah. people are so protective or maybe protective is not the right word, greedy maybe 
Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because I've been doing um, a segment on a women's NPR radio show for years, um, just interviewing women that are making a difference, you know, whether they're famous women or they're unknown women that are just doing something good for the world. And this is a women's, uh, it's called 51%, a women's perspective. You know, it's all over the country and I've been doing it for years. And I got very haphazardly ended up doing it, um, which is a whole nother story, but I'm doing it, I do it. And I don't have, I don't have to do it every week. I do it whenever I meet someone that I want to do, you know, interview. And I cannot tell you how often people say, well, how much do you get paid for that? Or how much? You... And I, when I tell people, I never have gotten one penny. I don't know. I don't get paid. I offer this content to a public radio as a service to the world to help women get have more you know coverage in the media and to to support women on, in the world it, it's always this like what you do that and you don't get paid for it well to me it's like that is such a gift that i have an opportunity to share something amazing with a huge audience that i think is valuable like to me that's i got the gift you know it's a gift to me um, and, and, or if I have something very important, I want to share, like I shared something about my mother on Mother's Day, I did an essay and I could, you know, do a spoken word thing about it. It's very, it's like a very, it's a very wonderful thing to maybe that someone else is listening who lost their mother when they were young and can relate and, you know, feel some connection, you know, so, um, yeah, so that's really, that's really a, it's. I think if everybody just finds what they care about and does a little bit for that cause, the world would be a lot better. Yeah, and that's why I also appreciate that women like you come on the show and share all they know about what they do, what they're thinking, where they've been, what experiences they have. Because we all can see each, each other's story and each other's story. And yeah. say, you know what, I can totally relate to this. I've been there. Or wow, she did this. Why didn't I do that? I can do that. Or is it That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important for people like you and me to keep saying we're no different than you. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're no different. We're no smarter. We're no richer. We're no, whatever. It's like, we're just women who decide to make something happen. Right. And so we're doing it. And we just put one foot in front of the other and decide, okay, one minute I'm writing about women and the next minute I decide I want to write about my travel experiences. And, you know, you know, five years later here, I'm traveling all over the world writing about my travel experience. So I wasn't a travel writer. I wasn't, you know, you know, I was, I wasn't a mate. I wasn't an English major. I'm not a journalist, you know, but I love to write. I've always been a writer. I've always written and I am not afraid to share and be vulnerable and tell a story about an experience I had and people want to hear it. People, people love to hear other people's stories or say why a place is particularly, I mean, you said you read the story about the fly fishing, you know? Yes, it was a story about fly fishing, but to me, it was a story about women's friendship. You know, it was all about going away with a close girlfriend and really having time to bond and be vulnerable and share stories and like that was the beauty of the fly fishing trip because it yeah. gave two women, two busy women, an opportunity to get away for a couple of days, you know? Yeah. And that's really what the story was about. And to be somebody who's sitting out there who has a friend they haven't seen in a while, 
maybe they'll go do something. Maybe it might not be fly fishing, but maybe they'll take a friend and do something and really enrich their life for a moment, you know? And so that's that, you know, that's kind of the inspiration behind doing some of the things I do. So as we're changing our story, we're changing our lives. Now, when do we know that it's time to change a story, to change our lives, to, to, to make that, is that moment where like I said, okay, I haven't seen my girlfriend in a long time to actually, I know it sounds so trivial, but it's like, actually just pick up the phone and say, hey, let's, let's do this. And I did something like this the last couple of days. I reached out on Instagram to a whole bunch of my friends on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing a little project for 4th of July. And um, I was surprised what I find out. Some people couldn't participate, but they told me why they couldn't. And I would have had no idea if I had not reached out with my idea of the little thing that we're doing for the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I need to reach out more often. But so back to you, change your story. When do we change our story? How do we change our story? Uh, do we have to be brave to change our stories? Do we have to be courageous? How does it go? I mean, I think what happens is if you really spend some time listening to yourself, listening to your own inner wisdom, you create some daily practices where you actually tap into what's how you're feeling. It will just happen. Like there won't be, it's not like this moment in time that just boom. It's like the whole, your whole life is a journey. There's no place to get to, you know what I mean? Like you, by the time you get to wherever you think you're going, that, you, you know, you've moved the mark already, you know, already. So this idea that like, oh, if I could just get to X, it just isn't, it just, it's not, in my 63 years, that is not the experience that I have. I have that it's the journey. It's all about getting to the next step and the next thing and what else and how I can, you know, you know, what shows up that you want to take advantage of? What do you want to say yes to, you know? And I think some of that decision that you're talking about, like, when do I know, is all around getting clear about yourself. What's a yes for you and what's a no? What is really what you would love to be doing and how you want to spend your time? And what are you still stuck doing because out of obligation or fear or whatever? You know. And so I always try to have people that I work with start getting very familiar with themselves. How are you listening to yourself? How are you asking yourself questions and waiting and listening to the answer? And how do you do that? You know, what are you doing every day that gives you real certainty that when a decision comes along, when someone calls you and says, hey, I'm doing this thing, do you want to do it with me? That you can make a decision, yes or no. It's not, uh, it's, Right. And so I think getting that clarity is all about tapping into your own. I mean, I always say this, like your best advisor is right inside. of You just have to learn to listen to it. Not your critic, right? Not your anxiety, right? But your own inner wisdom, which can be easily heard if you just are quiet enough to listen. Right. So, so how do you do that? So how do you do that? And if someone says, okay, that sounds easy, but how do you do it? And I would say there's a whole lot of ways. There's not one way that works for everyone, but I would say you have to start 
creating some daily practices. So whether it's writing in a journal, you can have prompts, you can get, get a five minute journal that has questions already. You can have blank pages that you just write whatever you wake up thinking about. It really doesn't matter. As long as you just start right every day when you wake up, before you pick up your phone, you just start writing. You will be amazed the ideas that emerge, the things that you're thinking about when you start that practice. So I say journaling is a really good one. Meditation is a fabulous one. Now, I was the last person in the world that would ever said I would be meditating for the last 20 years because I'm super active. Really, my mind's always spinning. And I read this book called The Diamond Cutter 20 years ago, where this monk talked about not trying to silence your mind, which was always seemed an impossible task for me, but actually just creating space for new ideas to emerge. So just holding space for new ideas, nothing about emptying your mind, just sitting, putting a timer on for two minutes and just sitting and seeing, even if the shopping list comes through, that's okay. Let it come, right? <laughs> and then it'll pass. And then the next, and when I started doing that, two minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, I could not believe the amount of incredible ideas I had. So many. They just came. All I did was picture this big open container where I just said, all right, ideas. And that's where my learning how to hear myself. You know, what was on my mind? What was I thinking? What were my deepest inner wishes? Whew, you know, and so I've been, you know, but I don't think that's the only meditation. I think having a dance party in your living room is a great meditation. Reading poetry, listening to a symphony, taking a walk, listening to the birds outside, you know, doing some yoga, whatever it is that it's as long as you say this time, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to have some hot water and lemon, I'm going to write for five minutes, and then I'm going to take some time that's my called my meditation time. And it can be whatever it needs to be. Maybe you need to write a letter to your sister. Maybe you need to read a poem. Maybe you need to just sit and listen to your favorite Carol King song. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm very rebellious, so I, I never want to do the same thing <laughs> too often. Um, so I think, but, but what I do is I have a sacred time. I like right? this phrasing it this way because so many times I hear, I don't like to meditate. I can't sit still. I don't want to sit still. I am sitting there and I'm, like you said, I'm thinking, which we know what we heard from you is, is okay. Just keep thinking. Whatever comes to mind just comes to mind. And, and, and then at some point you stop thinking because you thought through everything that you thought about, but it's so liberating. As you say, I can dance around my living room, put on my favorite tunes. And this is my daily meditation. Right, because it will change. And once you give yourself the freedom to say, meditation is anything I make it, then you begin to actually explore what you need, right? So maybe if you're a painter, maybe it's, you know, 20 minutes of just painting. You know, maybe you know, it doesn't have to be writing. I'm a writer, so writing feels good to me. But maybe for someone who doesn't want to write, you know, maybe it's singing, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's painting, maybe it's, you know, sewing, it doesn't really matter. It's just taking the time that says, this is my time, my time. to explore 
my own journey, you know? And then when you do actually have to make a decision, you have some place to start. Yeah, yeah. Is there a certain strategy to tap into that mindset that you can get started? Like a I little, mean, like you start here and then you go from there and then you go from there or you just let it flow. I mean, I'm very free wheeling, so I don't have any concrete, like you don't have to do it this way or that way. I would say I have a particular mindset. Um, I think I maybe even send it to you. I have a mindset infograph in my mind. I have like an image of, of how I believe people succeed. Um, and part of it is this first starting with this place of potential. People have an unlimited amount of potential. Some people have tapped a lot of it. Some people haven't even scratched the surface of it, but we all have a lot of potential. And how do we bring out the potential we have? We have to start with taking some action. So the action is having a cup of tea in the green tea in the morning or taking a walk or doing some exercise or doing some journaling or writing that email, to asking that favor that you need, whatever it is, you take some action. It can be huge, it can be small, but you just start taking action because we all know once you take, you have a certain amount of potential, when you take some action, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get results. Yep. And when you get results, you feel good about yourself. You feel more certain that you can do something. So when you have more results and you feel more certain that, wow, I can do this, then your potential increases. And this is what I call the upward spiral. It's the mindset of the upward spiral. You take, you have some potential, you take a little action, you get some results. It makes you feel more certain that you can do it, which gives you the feeling of more potential. And you see how that just starts to spiral and then more and more things happen. You stop being afraid of taking bigger action. You start being willing to take more risks or to you know, work out a little harder or to be a little more you know, passionate about one thing more than another. Maybe you're ready to actually create a shift in your work life or your love life or your, you know, your health. It's really saying, you, know, you have to embody this idea, mind, body, and spirit. You know, I don't think you can do, you can't like forget about any element, you know, so you can't be like, oh, I'm going to just exercise. I'm never going to think about anything. I'm just going to exercise. I believe being healthy is a total holistic way of being, which means how are your friendships? Are you paying attention to your loved ones? You know, do you have healthy boundaries, you know, with your employees or your, or your boss? What about your health? Are you eating right? Are you drinking enough? Are you getting some exercise? What about your time and money for you? Have you figured out a way where you are taking enough time for yourself? Are you saving enough or spending enough? If you're saving all your money and you're, you know, maybe you're holding on too tight and not having any fun out of fear, right? Maybe you, maybe you're spending every penny and not saving anything to give you some freedom to try some new things. You see what I mean? Like it has to be in balance. It has that. to be in balance. Yeah. Yeah, these are good aspects because it really ties in everything. Like you said, the money aspect. And most people don't think about that, that this affects how we live our life or how we write our stories. Like you, the good example, like you said, 
you know, I spend all my money, but then I don't have money for the things that I would like that could possibly be interesting, different and new because I already spend it all. These are very good thoughts. Yeah, I really, I'm not a big collector of things. I'm a big collector of experiences. Um, I can remember, literally, I was in my 20s. And I always, you know, we were just up and, you know, we were just had a new family when we had a new house and we were just coming up in our careers. And there was always this moment where I had to decide, did I buy a new couch or should I go on a trip? And I always chose the trip. We literally had the same furniture for the entire 20 years, first 20 years of my marriage, because whenever there was a, a decision to do something with a, you know, to have a thing or to go on a trip, I always chose the trip, right? So it was a foreshadowing of my life as a travel writer, I think, but I didn't know it at the time. Yeah, I'm with you on the couch. I just had to laugh because I just recently <laughs> talked to my husband about our 20-year-old couch. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, it's actually more than 20. I had it before I knew you. And I said, by now the couch is like so set through that you sit in and you're like, okay, I'm just right at the bottom of the couch. <laughs> so I think we're going to definitely go for a new couch this time. because It's really it's like the, the oldest couch on this planet. But well, it's important, important to get, have good back support, but still, I get But you. it's like all the money so far is like, we don't need stuff either. So yeah, when you think about this holistic approach, Sharon, what would be uh, two action steps that the listeners can take right now to based on our conversation today? What would you say to them? Okay, there's so many, but here's some easy ones. Mm -hmm. The first would be make a list. Like if you have something you want to accomplish or you have something that you're not feeling happy about or you're discontent, just sit down and make a list of all the reasons why it would be good for you to make that change or do that thing or take that shift. It can be completely selfish reasons. I wanna work less and make more money. I wanna stop going into the office. I want to, you know, it can be completely selfish or it can be all altruistic. I wanna do work that helps the world. I wanna, you know, give my children a better opportunity, whatever, you know, it can be, a combination of those things. It can be something silly. It can be selfish. Just write a list of as many reasons why this is the good idea for you. This is the time to do it. Why this is important to you. Because when you take the time to rationalize and think about all the reasons it's important to do it, it will help propel you to do it. Mm -hmm. So you got to get them all out, you know, and you just, just get them all out without any feeling of obstacles forget the obstacle they'll come you have plenty of time for obstacles just get all those um i would also say if they've never done any kind of a vision board of any kind if they've never sat and just had this expansive moment where they're just imagining what they're what they want their life to look like with no obstacles at all and you can do it by cutting out pictures you know, or looking in magazines and seeing words that, and just getting them down on a vision board. There's all kinds of vision board courses you can take. You can just look online. You can even do your vision board online. I like the tactile of just actually mm -hmm. doing it. I always do it. I always do it at the first of every year. I think it is so important to visualize 
what it is you want to make it happen, writing it down, saying it out loud, seeing a picture of it. You want love? Do a vision board of all kinds of loving things, hearts and people together and people hugging and hands holding. You know, you want to travel? Pick out all your favorite places and put them on a board where you can picture them and write the word travel and easy. And, and honestly, it works because it sets the universe in motion. It sets your brain into thinking, that's where I'm headed. That's where I'm headed. So like, if I would say those are two really easy first steps. Um, if I Easy just, steps are always good because yeah. so many people are like, yeah, let's go gung-ho. And then they stand there or sit there and they're stunned and they, they don't take action because it's too complicated or too involved yeah. or takes too much time. Yep. So easy steps, action steps is always my like biggest thing. You can always make it harder, but let's start with simple. Let's start with so it's, I mean, so simple that it's stupid that you think, yeah, I'm cutting out yeah. little pictures. I'm like, yeah, see what you get. Go for it. Yeah, it's funny. I love Michael Dooley is a very um, big manifester. And I love the story he tells about how you can have the most beautiful car. You can have the fanciest leather seats. You can have the biggest motor. But if you get in that car and you don't put the car in drive from park, you don't go anywhere, right? So it's the action. You gotta put the car in park. I mean, you gotta take the car out of park and put it in drive. You gotta put your car in drive, right? So how do we put our car in drive? We don't put our car in drive by thinking of every reason that car is gonna break down or why we don't wanna take it out because it's raining and so we don't wanna get it dirty. We forget about all that. We just get in the car and put it in drive and we go. And you know what? You end up somewhere fabulous when you do that. And so it's that same analogy. Just start, start somewhere. Start by just, you know, getting up in the morning and just saying three things you're grateful for. Just doing some gratitude. For years, I've been using a gratitude app. It's a free app. It's called Gratitude 365, where you pick a picture from your photos on your phone and you can put a photo and then you can write down whatever you want. I've been doing it for years. You know how much fun it is to look at this app where I've month after month of photos, you know? It can be silly things. It's something I cooked for dinner or it's a flower I saw on the way, you know, on my walk. Or it can be my picture of one of my kids on their birthday or whatever it is. You know, it's just pictures that are from your phone that you took. So they mean something to you. You took the time to take a picture. And then identifying something that you're grateful for about that, that takes you into a whole different place. I love that idea. I've not heard of that app. I'll definitely put the links in the show notes of all the things we mentioned today. So you guys can also uh, try out the app or whatever else we, we talk about today. Great. That's great. And that's, that's awesome. But Sharon, let me ask you, why do you do what you do? Well, I think I do what I do because it makes me happy. You know, I feel that life is short. I think I really want to hang on to as much joy and happiness and, and love of life as I can. I think that it makes me so happy to do what I do every day. I, 
feel so grateful that I actually wake up and do work that I love. I love coaching my clients. I love helping people. I, I actually still went back to chiropractic. I still see patients some, you know, one day a week now, now that I'm back in, you know, in Southern California. I do a little of that. I love my travel writing. I love spending time with my family. I do a lot of that. I just came back from a family trip from to Hawaii that I went with my, that had been postponed in the pandemic. So, you know, taking time with the people I love. Um, and so to me, it's all driven by this idea of filling myself up with love and good feelings. And that's really what it's all about for me. That's the driving force, you know, happiness, some laughs, not taking life too seriously doing good for the world. I mean, that's really what makes me, makes me tick. And where can our listeners reach and connect with you as a final question? Sure. So uh, I have a website. It's just drsharonupberg.com. You know, that's where they can see all my writings. Um, people can email me. It's just my first initial, my last name, suffberg at gmail.com. People can always write. Um, if anybody mentions that they, you know, heard me on your show and wants to talk to me about any issues that they're having in terms of their own life story, I'm always happy to pick up the phone and talk to people. Um, they can look on my borrowedwisdom.com site. We have lots of courses and clubs and all kinds of things that we do there too. That I'm not hard. I'm not hard to find, and I I'd be happy to talk to anyone that has a que specific question about anything we've talked about today. What about social media? Uh, yes, social media. I'm on Instagram, S. Uffberg. I'm on Facebook, Sharon Uffberg. I'm on Twitter, Dr. Uffberg. <laughs> LinkedIn, Dr. Sharon Uffberg. It's all like a teeny bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm on all of them. Perfect, because it's so easy to remember when it's all the same names, except for me for, for, <laughs> for the borrowed wisdom. But yes, and that's, that's so also, can... they, they all, all that social media is on the borrowed wisdom as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. So all the links, like I mentioned, will be in the show notes for you guys to grab, get directly to Sharon or get the hold of the app or uh, wherever else we talked about. So you don't have to get a pen out and frantically start writing. Take a breath. Just listen to the episode. And what we like to do is we like you to reach out to us on social media. So once the episode airs, don't be quiet. Don't be just listening. Participate. Take action. Either comment. And you know, I'm on Heike Yates on Instagram and Heike Yates Pursue Your Spark on Facebook. And just like Sharon, I'm Heike Yates everywhere. <laughs> so reach out to us, either one of us, both of us, let us know how this episode impacted you, what your thoughts about it were, how you might need help with something, or even just a thought that you had while listening to the episode. So don't not reach out. We're here to connect. We're here together as a community. And we want you in this community. And so with that, chance, thank you so much for coming on the show after all your fly fishing adventure and sharing all your <laughs> Thank wisdom. you. Thank you so much for having me and for everything you do. Thank you. And so this is it for today at the Pursue Your Spark podcast. And I will see you guys next time. See you then. Ciao.